Hi, I'm Lauren Hunter. And I'm Kate Vlasic. And this is Generation BSC, a podcast dedicated to our favorite club, the Babysitter's Club. Kate and I are, oh boy, we've we've already decided we don't like elder or geriatric, but <laughs> how about distinguished millennials? I've decided to dub it for us. I like distinguished. I, I think that's a, a good, it may, it's more positive sounding. Not that being elderly or geriatric is a bad thing. But as someone who is not actually geriatric, a geriatric millennial just sounds sounds like we're 80 and we're not anywhere near 80. And I'm fine with being 80 when yeah. I'm 80, but I'm not 80. And I don't want to feel like I'm 80 because I'm not 80. <laughs> and I just said 80 so many times. <laughs> no, I'm one bazillion percent with you. Like, I honestly, I can't wait to be 80. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like very looking forward to my golden girls period. And right now I still feel 27. So I'm kind of like, let's hang on to that for for a little bit longer. Let's, let's live in the moment that we're in and not be forcing ourselves into the future moment just quite yet, especially given that we've sort of lost two years of our lives to, you know, everything, you know, gestures wildly to everything around me. Like, let, let's not right. push this. We'll 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 stay where we are, and when we are geriatric, we will celebrate being geriatric. Indeed. But for the time being, <laughs> we're going to celebrate being young, and even more than that, we're going to celebrate our childhoods by talking about the Babysitters Club. So, you, if you haven't picked up on the fact that if you're listening to this in the past, or no, <laughs> if you're listening to this in the future. I get knew I'd get there. We have been off for a number of weeks while we did a binge rewatch of season one of the Netflix Babysitters Club series. So we it's been a hot minute since we've recorded together mm-hmm. and on the peak behind the curtain, it's honestly been a hot minute since Kate and I have really had a chance to hang out much. I mean, we've seen each other but usually in the context of other things happening, mm-hmm. as in a friend's wedding or other stuff. So it's it's been a minute in general. Because of <laughs> gestures wildly around us. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Although the good news is we are hanging out in person tomorrow. So we are very excited. So we don't have to get all of our catch up <laughs> out of the way on this podcast. So we can focus on yeah. the Babysitter's Club. Although, panic. as always, I'm sure, not I'm sure, I am sure, I'm certain that we are going to have yes. some random tangents because that is who we are. But we're also very excited to talk about the Babysitter's Club specifically because, as Lauren said, it's been a minute since we've even talked to each other at all, let alone about the Babysitter's Club. So we are very excited to be getting back into this with all of you and each other. To be fair, it made it sound like we didn't talk for the right. last 10 weeks. We <laughs> didn't talk. Fair. Just like not like we haven't had time to like hang out and like catch up. And it's more like um, I do my ADHD meme pebbling thing where I just like send them random TikToks that are like, I love you. I love you. <laughs> It's like, I'm still here. I'm still thinking of you. We just haven't had time to catch up for real. Yeah, that's my love language, sending funny <laughs> memes that make me think of you. 100%. Or that make me laugh at myself and make and I re- think that you'll you'll laugh at me for it too. 100%. Um, and oh boy, we have we have one of those moments in this episode. And actually, I think I want to start right there because it doesn't really pertain to anything in the episode. And it's, it's such a perfect encapsulation of how the last 10 weeks of my life have gone <laughs> and then dang it in the babysitter's club. I'm sure you're like, what is happening? So. <laughs> oh, I know where this is going. <laughs> you know part of it, but you don't even know the half of it. Oh, boy. Because in a case of Lady Doth protest too much, the last time we were talking about this show – we were talking about Dawn and, and the, the crystal vibes of it all. And I was um, not even slightly, but very dismissive and just being like, yeah, not for me. <laughs> I have done a complete 180 <laughs> to the point where literally the tarot cards that Dawn was using for her reading for Marianne, that's the tarot deck that I own and use on a daily basis. I literally had to pause if you know anything about tarot decks, which Kate, I know is this is not really her jam, but for listeners, if you don't know either, there are like as many different variations of tarot decks as there are card decks. Like there's mm-hmm. a standard 
these are the cards, but it, then it, there's like all sorts of different rent artist renderings and talk about the universe sending signals, literally the, of the millions of possible card decks that I would pick up. I picked up the one that is used on the show and literally did not know that until I watched it this week. And so I was like, okay, it's right that we are back and here. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes together. The universe makes sense. It all comes together. <laughs> So that's been my big journey is really sort of, I mean, I'm making it, I'm making light of it, but really what I've been sort of doing with my, what did you do with your summer vacation as Christy starts this episode, basically, <laughs> it's been really about exploring my own spirituality and, and that's, you know, listening to the universe more and using it to listen to myself more. So that's kind of been my big update. It's been fun. I have uh, fully devolved into a crystal bitch and I'm owning it and loving it. <laughs> what about you, Kate? I know you have big news, way more actual big news than me just buying crystals. <laughs> yeah, I rather than buying crystals, I did buy a new house and move and still <laughs> figuring things out here. I'm currently recording in my closet and I hope that the sound works because I the pod basement is no longer, unfortunately. I, I need to find a, a replacement pod basement, except our new basement is not finished, and it's very echoey because everything is hard surfaces. So I'm going to have to figure out a way once we can record again in person. And most of it lately is just our schedules are crazy and we can't align them. Otherwise, we would be recording in person. But I need to figure out you know, as we get back into this now that we're back in the swing of things, where we can record in person because it definitely – feels different when we record in person. It's a little bit easier to sort of have that <laughs> nonverbal dialogue behind the scenes as we're trying to figure out what we're saying. But it's it's all it's all good. It's just different still. I'm still getting settled, painting. Yeah. I finally figured out colors for walls this week. Our our prior owners really Ooh. liked orange and yellow and brown and none of those are colors that I particularly mm. like. No. Um. So I found some depends on the yellow, but I know the yellow you mean. Yeah, it's it's like mustardy, brownish yellow. It, it, yeah, not my jam. So we'll see. I think the kitchen's gonna have to stay the sort of like orangey brown color because there's too many other colors going on in the kitchen right now. So that's a future Kate problem, not necessarily problem. Future Kate project <laughs> to maybe change a yes. few things at the same time so they all work together as opposed to me just painting the walls and having it look ridiculous and like a clown room or something. <laughs> or you could just do my approach, which is um, more is better and just sort of put everything up everywhere. <laughs> oh, no, I'm I'm definitely planning on doing that. I just thought maybe I'd have a different color behind yeah. all of the various pictures and gallery walls and other ephemera that will be decorating uh, the gotcha. space. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. We are not um, minimalists, no. either of us. No, no, no. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know by, what by I no would means. do with myself if I had to try to be minimalist. I, I have too many, even no. just like art projects, like crafty things that I make, I have so much of it that it has to go somewhere. So most of it goes on walls and it just sort of is what it is. And anyone that comes to my house knows that there's just going to be stuff everywhere. And thankfully, Jeff is on board with me, hanging up whatever I want to hang up, wherever I want to hang it. <laughs> so obviously, there has been a lot of change and growth for us. We hope that the last couple of months have been as exciting and challenging and exciting. I said exciting, whatever. All of the above. <laughs> we hope y'all are on the same page as us. Because uh, I mean, our girls certainly are. I, I really completely shifting gears into the episode now. I was just really thinking about that as I was watched it for the first time this week and then um because I made myself wait because I didn't want to mm -hmm. watch too close or too far away from when we were going to actually record. So I watched earlier this week and then when I watched again today just to, you know, refresh and prepare, I was really struck by I don't know whether or not it was the plan, but there was this real sense from the show too that was like, okay, this new world is different than the world we started with mm -hmm. uh, when we started creating the show however many years ago. And, you know, part of that really is in line with the plot. But it it really, it fits so well with how I'm feeling about where we are, where I am, where we as a collective we are. And just sort of a taking a breath and being like, okay, things have changed. Mm -hmm. It's not all good. It's not all bad. We're mourning. 
we're mourning the loss of some things, we're celebrating the gaining of others, but we're all different and we're all still kind of in flux. Mm -hmm. So if you are randomly deciding to pop into this as your very first episode, this is a flavor of how my like deep thoughts brain takes us (laughs) off the rails instantaneously. (laughs) Yeah, I I just, I I really like how you tied that all together because it really did feel like a good, yes, not even necessarily like reintroduction, but just like coming back together with these characters Mm -hmm. and what they've gone through and what they're now going through and just like the way that we all feel, like you know, like you said, it just, it was nice to sort of, it felt like we were easing back in and it wasn't like nothing had happened and nothing was changing and all of the girls were sort of static. They're still growing and learning and, you know, becoming older young adults. I I mean, I hate young adults. I hate that because they're not adults. They're, I, I don't that. know, Me teenagers. They're, they're young teenagers. They're maturing in different ways. And it's just nice that they're, they're not, I'll say this, the way that the book's sort of keep these girls static and there's not a ton of growth. I feel mm-hmm. like the show has done such an amazing job of making them feel like real characters and they do get to learn and they grow. And it's not like at the end of every episode they reset and, you know, they maybe reference something that happened, but they didn't really necessarily grow from it or the plot requires them to be a different way, even though they learned three books ago that they needed to do X, Y, and Z. I think the show has definitely taken the opportunity to really make them feel like not necessarily real characters, but more realistic characters maybe is the better way to say that. And I just, it was, it was just so nice to, to come back to this. Like I, I didn't realize how much I missed this show. (laughs) Like that sounds so cheesy, but like it really is just such a nice, good show. And it's just I I'm my I had so much work that I had to do today, and I was on so many calls that my brain just keeps <laughs> using the same adjective over and over when I try to think of a new one. So nice and good. I can't think of other words, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I am so with you, and I I think part of the reason it is so perfect for where we are right now is that it is nice and good, and that those are the words that 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 spring to mind most strongly. That we can't even. You know, I, you know, I tried to make it all deep. Uh, I joked, but, but really some of the beauty of this is the fact that it is like a warm hug. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it is like hanging out with your friends. And it's similar to, uh, I was talking today about Ted Lasso and someone asked me why I loved it so much. And I said, because it's genuinely good people wanting to do the right thing mm-hmm. and getting it wrong and trying to make it right. And I really feel like that that is what the show is doing such a good job of of portraying. And I think, I mean, just as as you were talking through it, I, I was thinking, I was like, man, I, we could even really take that metaphor out a little wider and just say that like the, the phase of life that they are in, this like... Ugh, I'm with you on the young adult thing, but like this tween, young teenager, like like Christy was talking about throughout the episode about feeling like you're not quite fitting in. Mm-hmm. I think that elder millennials as a whole are kind of experiencing a resurgence of that feeling right now, mm-hmm. especially as the world has been changing and Gen Z's really begin coming into prominence and we're no longer, you know, the 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 young new voices on the block and we are, we're becoming part of the establishment, but we don't really feel like, you mm-hmm. know, I, I think I think it's a really interesting and I think Gen X and, and is very much a part of that elder millennial conversation as well in terms mm-hmm. of like I, I was seeing a really interesting conversation today about how many of us are stalled in careers because people aren't retiring the way that they used to. Right. So we're just sort of stuck in this middle gear. And it really, it resonated with me about when Christy was talking about feeling like things have changed and everyone keeps talking about how it's a good thing, but just because something is good doesn't mean it's all happy and, and sunshine and flowers. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that was super inarticulate as well, but. But I mean, but you know what, what she's I mean, really saying hopefully. is like, Change is is good, but it also means that you're losing something that you had before. And I think that that's a thing that I I really appreciated that sort of Christy got to focus on in this episode because it's something that in life and in the world, it can be really difficult to, you know, remember that even or 
trying to articulate that to someone else as you're going through it. You know, like it's great to have things change. Like we'll use my house for an example. We're closing on the sale of our old house on Friday in two days. And like, while I love our new house and I'm so excited that we bought it and I can't wait to live the rest of my life here. I lived in my old house for 11 years, 12 years. And that's where yeah. I got engaged. That's where we like came home from mm-hmm. our honeymoon. You know, it's where we got Indiana. Like, there's just so many like great things about that house. And as as happy as I am to be leaving, and well, have left because we already moved. But as happy as I am to be in our new house, I'm also a little bit sad that I'm never gonna get to live in that house anymore. It's just, and it's it's like weird to yeah. say that because it's like, but you have this great new house and you love it, aren't you so excited? And it's like, yes, and I'm also a little bit sad. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I- well, there are a couple of things that I was thinking about, but I, I really like that idea that there is this sense sometimes that we should only take the good parts and ignore mm-hmm. the bad, and and that is not real. The other point I was thinking is how much I liked I, at first, I had a, a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction to be like, okay, we're going to kill Louis off screen. Like, that was huge for us. That was such a big part of our growth and development as kids. We spent so much time talking about that mm-hmm. as a book. And then I realized... On number one, the world has moved on. I, I don't think kids need that level of handholding around the death of a dog mm-hmm. at, that we did at that age because there's different media that's getting them that messaging uh, for better or worse, right? Um, and secondly, I came to appreciate the fact that it's so perfectly encap- encapsulated the grief of big change like that, mm-hmm. that in order to become something new, even if it is something better, you are going to have to leave things behind. And like, that's been a big part of my therapy journey is acknowledging that like, being who I am means setting some other things free. And there is, you're allowed to mourn that. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so I, as much as my initial instinct was, no, why are you ruining that plot line? The more I thought about it, the more I really dug it. Uh, so I was curious what you thought, because that was the first big, like, oh, we are really – the first season we we stayed pretty close mm-hmm. with some minor changes. It, I think this really declared this as a – like we talked about in the first season, them really sort of being able to take this a little bit further in different directions. Yeah. I mean, I definitely – I when, it, when the episodes first started, I was actually sort of relieved that it was already done. I mean, I obviously started crying immediately because I'm me and that's just how I, that's how I roll. But I, the thing that I sort of, as I was watching the episode and sort of processing that, I was thinking back to reading the book, Christy and the Snobs, and thinking about the fact that there was more story in that book or there was at least more time was elapsing. And I don't think the way that this episode of TV elapsed in a half an hour and it, you know, sort of covered maybe a week. Mm-hmm. It, I don't think that there would have been a way to do that story justice if we wanted to actually see them realize that Louis was getting older and sick and, you know, go through the process of, you know, realizing they had to take him to the vet and, you know, grieving him and all of that before they get Shannon, you know, the new puppy. I I feel like it would have turned into a very special episode about what it's like to lose a dog. And that's not what this show is. Yeah. As you know, like as like you said, as helpful as it was for us as kids to read this read the book, Christy and the Snobs, and sort of get that, you know, at least foundation laid of like these are sad things that can happen in your life. Um, especially as we were leading up to Claudia and the Sad Goodbye when we were reading the books. I don't feel like I don't feel like it lended itself as well to a TV show. Unless it was Christy and the Snobs was like the fourth episode and we got sort of bits and pieces of Louis getting older and being sick, you know, over the, the episodes leading up to mm-hmm. it. And I feel I'm I'm glad that they didn't do it that way just because I feel like it would have it would have distracted me. And obviously I'm not necessarily the target demographic of this, but I don't think that it would have resonated for kids in watching the show as you know, as the main audience for this television show. I don't know that it would have resonated with kids today the same way that the book resonated with us as children reading. And partially for the reasons that you said, there are plenty of other places that kids get exposed to all kinds of, you know, concerns and issues and situations that might arise Mm -hmm. in their own lives. So I, I feel like, I feel like they made the right choice and 
you know, like I said, for me personally, I'm glad I didn't have to see that happen just because I I've gone through it in my real life <laughs> and wanna, I don't yeah. <laughs> want to go through that. I'm 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 sure it's going to happen again at some point in the hopefully very very distant future. <laughs> but I I just yeah right. I, I'm I'm glad to not have had to include that specific storyline over a number of episodes in this watching of this television show. And not only that, you brought up Mimi, and I didn't even think about that. So quick behind the curtain sidebar, we. I didn't actually state this up top, but we have not watched the series yet. We very purposely held off. We are watching them one at a time Mm -hmm. to talk about them unspoiled, as we have. So we are not talking ahead. We do not know ahead. We have not watched. But I do know some very minor things just from, you know, being a person on the internet. You can't not know anything. So I hope I'm not spoiling anything for you, Kate, when I say... I am 99.9% sure we we do get the sad goodbye this season, which we speculated last year. Mm-hmm. I don't know when it is. It could be in the middle of the season. I'm kind I just sort of assumed it would be the finale, but genuinely have no idea. In any case, either even if it was doing a losing your dog and losing your grandma storyline in one season mm-hmm. is a lot, especially in a because this is a COVID abbreviated season, which we also know. Um, And the other thing that I was thinking, as you were talking about, you know, how you learned about it and how it resonated with you and what what you are looking to get out of the show, one of the things that occurred to me was, I think that there's a different demographic that they're aimed at as well. The show is likely aimed at girls, the actual age of the characters. Mm -hmm. It, It seems to me to be speaking more to actual 13, 14 year olds. Right. Whereas the books, as we have stated from when we were reading them and when what we know from most of the people we've talked to, we're reading them from ages anywhere from like, you know, your mom was reading to you at five to 10 or 11, and then have usually moved on to the high school stuff mm-hmm. by the time we were in junior high. So that's interesting because just something to keep in mind as we're, as we're watching the show, I think it it'll be an interesting question for me to keep in mind. Like what age do we think that they are making this show for mm-hmm. in terms of the kids? Because we know they're also making it for people our age oh, 100%. based on, <laughs> I mean, like based on the fact that the adults are treated as actual people with actual plot lines and thoughts and feelings and emotions uh, because they know that half of their audience, <laughs> let's be real, probably 70% of their audience is, you know, the people who grew up on it that are now introducing it to their kids. So I'll be curious to keep in mind what level they're, we think they're aiming for. Mm-hmm. So the Louis thing was obviously like a big change right off the bat, which, like we said, I think was a smart move in terms of announcing, hey, this is not going to just follow the books, which is smart for a lot of reasons, but also just, you know, setting that expectation. Mm-hmm. And I really do think that that was handled pretty well. On the other hand, I have very mixed feelings about the snobs part of the Christie and the snobs plotline in that, like I mentioned, uh, I really liked that they let Edie, or if they insist on calling her Liz, I suppose, (laughs) but she will always be Edie to me. They let Liz have actual, you know, reactions to this move as well. Mm -hmm. And it's not just, you know... That's not examined for her at all. And uh, I mean, uh, wow, that is a huge, massive change, you know, as an adult looking at it. Mm -hmm. So I love that they included her in the sort of class conversation. They didn't get as much into it as I would have liked. But, you know, that's my like leftist socialist lady. And then I'm reminding myself this is a show for children. But um, I did like that they let uh, Liz in on that and let her have her little feminist moment. But the rest of it, I don't know. I'm a little bit more ambivalent about, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Do you have – I don't know. Do you have feelings about how they changed up that snobs plotline? I mean, I feel like – I mean, my biggest issue is that Shannon Kilborn is nowhere to be found. And Mm -hmm. I like that – I mean, we can sort of take or leave that. I I mean, in the grand scheme of the Babysitter's Club – is she that important of a character? Maybe not. To me, however, I mean, she's on the cover of my favorite book. I love Shannon. I mean, I I always say, like, I'm a Marianne who wants to be a Claudia who had grew up to be Shannon. Like, I 
I just love I Shannon's one of my favorite characters. She's definitely my favorite non babysitters club character, even though technically she's an all you know an, an whatever alternate, not alternate, whatever. The the yeah yeah. <laughs> my brain is like broken today. Associate associate member oh, whatever associate. she and logan That's are right. yeah she's an associate member like so technically she is part of the babysitters club but she's not one of our like main seven girls in the babysitters club like i love shannon and i'm while i'm glad that we didn't have to see shannon be mean to christy since that is sort of her introduction in the book i'm a little bit sad that she may or may not ever exist because Shannon, the dog, is now named after Mrs. Delaney, who is Shannon Delaney, because that's a whole thing. Like, she doesn't even have a first name. What the hell's up with that? And Jesse's like, well, she's an adult. Like, maybe she's just, you're just supposed to be respectful and you don't have to call her her first name. But that's a whole separate thing. But I, I'm sad that Shannon is not going to be around. Or if she is, it's going to be a very different situation. And I just, I did appreciate that the, the snob problem was not just a Christie problem. It was a Christie and a Liz problem or an Edie problem, like you said. All of my my notes just say Edie, even though they call her Liz, 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 Liz. Um, Me too. I'm just like, it, it's Edie. Yep. And they literally only call her Edie in the first book of the series. But to us, she will always be Edie. But so, yeah, I really appreciated that it wasn't just mean kids in the neighborhood being mean to Christy. It was mean families being mean to their family. But also, I did appreciate that by the end, it was sort of the same resolution in the book that, like, well, yes, they're not the best people ever. Like, Christy and to a maybe a lesser degree, Liz, it was sort of their own problem. Christy in particular, because she starts mm-hmm. to realize, like, and I think one of her, like, last lines in the episode is, you know, if you want to feel like you belong, you have to start acting like you belong. And while... The snobs are assholes like they were in the book. Like part of the problem for Christy, at least, was that she didn't she didn't appreciate not appreciate. She didn't like the change in her life. You know, she comes back from camp and her mom's married and now they live in this mansion and, you know, her brothers are totally all in on living there and they act like they've lived there forever with monogrammed underwear and blah, blah, blah. And she just doesn't get it. And I think that's totally valid. I don't think she should be completely changing who she is, but she also doesn't want to try at all. And she sort of gets called out for that. So Mm -hmm. I appreciate that by the end, Christy sort of realizes like, oh, Amanda Delaney is really just lonely. You know, like she's kind of an asshole because she doesn't have friends and she doesn't really know how to talk to people, which Karen says – you know, she's a social climber, but has no ability to speak to people. I don't get the social climber aspect of it, unless that's Karen being a snob towards no. Amanda Delaney, which maybe that's what she's doing. But, you know, it it sort of helped, I think, that – because in the book, Shannon and her sort of minions from Stony Brook Day are just mean. And then Shannon finally realizes, like, maybe I could be nice to this person. But, like, in this one, Christy realizes, like, this girl just doesn't – have a lot of friends or social interactions so that's she's just rude because she doesn't have a lot of experience being nice to people which isn't really an excuse but it sort of helps in that christy's not just dealing with people actually actively being mean to her her mom on the other hand amanda's mom is an asshole i mean she says that they won the lottery by her marrying Watson and oh she worked for Watson because she helped Watson find office space and she's like no I worked with Watson so Mrs. Delaney is an asshole and I hate her and at least she helps them get a dog by the end but and she does charity because animals are her best friends or something (laughs) is like what Amanda says I I don't know I I don't like her I really don't like her (laughs) I agree with you in terms of the um, Amanda Delaney stuff, and I think I would even take it a step further to to take it to a place where all I could think of is hurt people hurt people, right? Mm-hmm. Like she's modeling the behavior that she's seen. So I think I, I think the show could have even had even a little bit more compassion for her mm-hmm. because, or or more explicitly pointed out. Christy could have more explicitly pointed out that she's not necessarily snobby in herself. She's modeling her mom's behavior. And like, it's clear in that, in that conversation with David Michael to me as an adult, but to a 10 year old watching the show, are they really going to make that connection? I, you know, I don't know. So I think it could have gone that step further to be like, Oh, 
maybe she's not really this way. Maybe she's just repeating the patterns mm-hmm. that we've experienced before. Along those same lines, I also really appreciated that they made Watson be a little bit clueless to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that works really well in that he's he's a man and that he is rich already. Right. You know, so he like would not be seeing any of those gender dynamics or any of those class dynamics because it's a blind spot for him. And I think that, that oh man, I want to use that as a perfect example in class of how you can be not a racist, bigoted asshole and still have blind spots. Mm-hmm. Like he's not a jerk for being like shocked and and not understanding why Edie was so upset because of course Shannon Delaney had never been anything but kind to him because right. he was of her status and he was a man and you know I'm making some assumptions there but based on who she present how she presents I'm going to believe that there's some casual patriarchal misogynistic bullshit happening there. Right. Well, and he also um, doesn't but- even sort of understand the intricacies and nuances of of Edie and Sh- and Shannon's interactions. You know, he's like, oh, she invited you over for tea. Mm-hmm. That was so nice. Oh, she invited the whole family to this charity thing at their house. Isn't that so nice? Like, without thinking about all of the sort of political, you know, behind-the-scenes Machiavellian thoughts that might be going through Shannon's head when she's doing or saying the things that she's doing or saying. Right. And so all of that I found really, really fascinating, and I thought it was a really, really great setup I think my biggest complaint was, like you, I don't have quite the emotional attach- attachment to Shannon Kilborn, but I did have a very strong reaction being like, no, 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 don't give her name to this bitch. That, that's, <laughs> I'm not okay with that. But my biggest issue with, with the whole thing was Amanda Switch made sense and felt natural. And once she was removed from her mom and her mom's influence and was with kids her own age and was mm-hmm. allowed to be a little bit more natural, that she started to, unclench a bit right but shannon on the other hand did a 180 from like uber bitch to i thought this dog matched your hair no i mean it was i guess it was amanda that said he matched his hair but either way like i thought you might like a new animal right and like yes i get the whole she likes animals more than people maybe she's just shy but like Literally, sarah mclaughlin who you've all heard me talk about before my college roommate I literally didn't like her my whole freshman year because I thought she was a snob because she was shy. So I know what I'm talking about when I say I understand how people can think someone is snobby because they are shy. Mm-hmm. That's not what the fuck that was. Right. Sarah McLaughlin would <laughs> like, never say that someone won the lottery because they happened to fall in love with someone and marry someone who comes from a wealthy background. Exactly. Exactly. Like, like that's just not a thing that – like, if you're an asshole, you would say that. If you're just a shy person and you're starting to get to know someone, you that's not a, a phrase that would come out of your mouth, <laughs> like, in no way, shape, or form. Exactly. So that was my biggest complaint with the plot line mm-hmm. was the that, that too quick shift. And, I, I mean, I guess if they're not going to be reoccurring characters, which my guess is they're not because they've, you know, combined Shannon Kilborn into that. They've got the puppy, like – I don't know, maybe they'll come up again, but I kind of, as like reoccurring clients, but I doubt they'll devote much time to that plot line again. Yeah, I mean, based Um, on how the first season of the show went, it definitely seemed like most of the, you know, supporting characters that we know and love from the books were sort of one off or maybe two off, unless they're related to (laughs) one of the Babysitter's Club girls. And even then, poor Jeff, doesn't even exist. He didn't even get a one episode. In any case, it seems pretty wrapped up, so it's it's hard to get you know too pressed right. about a, a quick turnaround when we're talking about a thirty minute sitcom aimed at children, literal children. So <laughs> it, it, you know, we got to the point, and it it, it made you real. I, I did like the idea that some people just like animals more than people <laughs> mm-hmm. because I I know those people, and the, not power to you. Like I, I get it, people are assholes. Anyway. What do you think of the whole Logan and Marianne thing? How do you like how that's playing out? I mean, I appreciate that there's a little bit more confusion for, you know, a 13-year-old to be figuring things out. I think that was, you know, in the books, it just sort of seems like 
and now Logan's my boyfriend and the end. And that's just sort of a foregone conclusion for the rest of it. And I did kind of appreciate, especially knowing what we know about Marianne and how she's, you know, very shy and doesn't want to like ask somebody the question of, do you like me? Do you want to be my boyfriend? Where are we on? Where are we going from here? You know, we kissed at camp. Does that mean something? You haven't talked to me in three weeks. I did kind of appreciate that. I wish that she had been more brave, I guess. You know, like we talked last season, you know, be mm-hmm. be brave like Marianne. And yes, while I understand growing and becoming a, you know, a, an older teenager and becoming who you're going to be and learning and growing as a person that isn't a straight line. It's not a complete upward trajectory. There's peaks, there's valleys, it's, you know, ups and downs, backslides, all of those types of things. But, you know, the fact that we sort of ended the first season with Marianne really coming into her own in a way that we hadn't had a chance to see her Mm -hmm. do before. And then for her to immediately sort of be like, oh, well, I haven't talked to Logan in three weeks. And we're in the the world of cell phones. Like, you don't even have to call him. You know, like, thinking back to when we were in middle school, obviously, right? I never called anyone because right. I was not popular. I knew that boys didn't like me. I'm sure there were boys that liked me. There maybe were girls that liked me. I don't know. But I was certainly never going to call anyone, especially because it was calling someone. If I could have just texted someone, and certainly by the time I was in high school and I could email people or talk on in- instant messenger, like... All bets were off, at least to to my uh, the degree that I was comfortable. But like, all she has to do is text this kid and be like, "Hey, do you want to hang out?" Right? You know, like I think that was the thing that really frustrated me about it. I was I was glad that we got a little bit of you know her friends giving her these different opportunities to try to attract him or figuring out ways to um, figure out what their future might be. Whether it's you know the tarot reading and the birth charts with Dawn or a new Instagram account with a fashion show fashion shoot with uh, Claudia and Stacy, even though she ends up getting what they refer to as catfished by you know someone with you know Logan whatever. 112 or I don't remember what his name was and it was a teacup pig account and so Marianne freaks out and you know deletes the account and but Christy throughout the entire episode is like why don't you just talk to him he you know he liked you three weeks ago I'm sure nothing's changed he's been in his family's house in in Kentucky like just call him and finally at the end that everyone ends up at Christy's house to you know hang out by the pool and Logan shows up and Marianne's like oh my god what's he doing here and Christy's like I called him and told him to come over because we were all hanging out and he wanted to see you. Like, it just is – I wish that Marianne had been the one to – even if we went through all the rigmarole of what do I do? If she had been like, oh, hey, we're all hanging out here. I'm going to text Logan and tell him to come over too. Or, oh, we're all going over to Christie's. I'm going to stop by his house and see if he's around and wants to come. Like, just give her the chance to be that brave Marianne that we know she can be when she has sort of the the wherewithal to – pull herself up and say, I'm going to do this for myself because this is what I want. And I I wish that she had been able to do that because that that is one of those situations, like I was saying, we didn't get in the TV show that we do get in the books. This is one of those situations that's sort of the opposite of that, where we do get that backslide to Marianne's the shy one who doesn't know how to talk to boys, even though she's the only one with a boyfriend, blah, blah, blah. So that was my biggest disappointment with the Logan Marianne situation. I 1000% agree. That was my only real complaint. I like that they're slow rolling a little bit. Mm-hmm. I like that they're not like immediately jumping to just their boyfriend and girlfriend, largely because I think the youth today have a very <laughs> different understanding of what that looked like than it was when we were younger, mm-hmm. where it was just like, are you my boyfriend? Check yes or no. And that effectively changed nothing. I don't, I, I mean, I don't know, but in any case, I'm 1,000% with you on the fact that I just wish it was Marianne that was the one that reached out at the end, that learned the lesson. Like, I under, I appreciate Christy learning the lesson, but I wish she would have reached out to Amanda, and then Marianne would have learned mm-hmm. the lesson and reached out to Logan. You know what I yep, mean? Agreed. And I will go back and say, I actually, I disagree with you a little bit in, the, in that I don't mind that she regressed a little bit in the beginning as mm-hmm. long as she ended up in the right place because i think it makes sense that you know uh, especially when you're at camp when you're away when you're on your own without parents you th- there's this like camp version of you mm-hmm. like definitely i had a camp boyfriend when i never had boyfriends like 
in, you know, back at home, uh, because there was, that was camp Lauren and they didn't know what a nerd I was. I was, right. you know, I, you could reinvent yourself a little bit. And so it makes sense that when she comes back, she had like sort of captured this version of herself. And then she comes back to her regular life and is like, Oh wait, I'm just me again on that level. So that made sense to me. And it also makes sense on the level that like you may make progress in one area, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're any better at other things. Like it gets played out as a cliche in books and movies, but the whole like you are so great at your career, but your personal life is a mess mm-hmm. or your home life is super steady, but you can't get your job. Like that's like every rom-com or any women centric thing, you know, ever that's sort of the plot. But it is true, you know, just Mm -hmm. because you are learning how to stand up for yourself in one area doesn't necessarily mean that you are any better at romance. I mean, case in point, myself. (laughs) Like, I'm, I'm a badass career woman. I'm really good at my job. I can stand up to people. I can fight for the things that I believe in. But when it comes to romantic relationships, uh, well, Kate's seen me. It's not pretty. (laughs) So that I resonated with. Mm -hmm. But I, thousand million percent agree that it should have been Marianne at the end that realized, oh, what I should have been doing is reaching out. Right. But that does lead me to, uh, you know, my uh, my love for Christy. And this was this was a good and bad Christy episode in a lot of ways. And what it really boiled down to for me, or good or bad, I mean, like, displaying the best and worst of Christy in a lot of ways. And for me, it, what it really could be summed up as is especially around her and Mar- Logan, this is why I was thinking about it, is uh, or about Marianne and Logan. She was right the whole way. But she is one of those people that even when she's right, you don't want her to be mm-hmm. right because of how she's delivering the message. Yes, 100%. And, and, oh my God, did that resonate with me. That has been me my whole life where literally like getting my family to watch Ted Lasso, my brother literally told me, he's like, I hate that I love it as much as I do because you're the one who like forced it down my throat. And I know that is 1000% because of the way I delivered the message, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm like shoving it. So, so I, oh boy, do I, do I feel my girl Christy there? Never have I felt more like a Christy than recognizing in all the times that, yeah, I may be saying the right, or I may be giving the right message. My heart may be in the right place. I may be even giving good advice, but I'm giving it in the worst fucking possible way. (laughs) Right. I do have a couple of just like random thoughts, but before we move into that, and definitely before we get into fashion, because I can't wait to talk about that with you, did you have any other big picture thoughts about the show or where it's headed or... This episode? Yeah, I think the only sort of big picture thing was I think you and I both are interested in just touching on this before we dive into the a little bit like fluffier type things. Just the fact that there's been a lot of discussion on the internet and in the world about this show, whether it's the first season or now the second season, and people's sort of feeling like the show should be the books exactly verbatim direct mm-hmm. page to screen translation no you know no artistic license no character changes no updates to the stories and while from a sort of just looking at that concept in and of itself in like a vacuum that's fine but the fact that most people that are saying that are using that to try to maybe sort of hide the fact that they don't want people of color or people of other genders, people of, you know, different sexual orientations and backgrounds to be part of, quote unquote, their babysitter's club. Um, I think that's a big, big, big problem. (laughs) I mean, obviously, I think, Lauren, Mm -hmm. you've said this before. People who listen to this podcast know who we are. They know how we feel about these things. But this is this is something that we hate. I mean, obviously, I, I don't even think we need to say that. But like, the way that people try to use that as a shield for racism, bigotry of all kinds, you know, it it's just it fucking sucks. It just sucks. And we hate it. Yeah. And I, I think I think thank you. I, I just wanted to take a second to acknowledge that because I I do. I join all the Facebook groups and all of the – like any internet group I can find that's about Babysitter's Club, I'm a part of. I'm mm-hmm. usually a lurker. I'm a, To be fair, I'm a lurker in 99.9% of the groups I belong in. 
But if you ever see me, say hi. And it, it's been something that's really been a point of, of pain, especially for me as someone who it took me a long time to own my queer identity. And, and a big part of that was these kind of well-meaning messages where it's, oh, I just want things I just want it to be how it was when I was a kid or I just, why do you have to try to push something on me? And and that's the attitude that I really want to make sure that that we're really explicitly clear that 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 is that doesn't have a place here mm-hmm. and for us. And if if that's I totally get the nostalgia aspect of it and wanting something to be exactly the way I pictured it in my brain. I have plenty of movies that I do not watch because I pictured it differently when I read the book, right? Uh, a perfect example of that for me is before fuck J.K. Rowling, Harry Potter was such a huge thing for me. I hated the movies for many, many years because they were not the books and they got the books wrong. And eventually I learned to love them for their own thing. And now I have much more complicated feelings about them, obviously. But my concerns about the changes were about like the parts of the story they left out or the nuance that was missed and not why did you make this character gay? Mm-hmm. Why did you have to make this character Latinx? And I think for me, the biggest thing is the stuff around Dawn because mm-hmm. there can be some conversation around, you know, m- losing plot lines around like Jeff is a perfect example of, you know, that, but yes, let's have a conversation about what we're missing by not having Jeff as a part of the story. Because we are. We're going to be losing some really good Dawn character development that we've really appreciated. And that is a very big difference than the number of people that I have seen coming onto these groups and literally posting about how they've ruined the Babysitter's Club because Dawn doesn't have blonde hair and blue eyes. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck does that have to do with who she is as a person? What the fuck does that have to do with her as a character? Literally nothing about Dawn as a character has changed in translation except how she looks mm-hmm. and the fact that she doesn't have a brother. But, <laughs> right. <laughs> again, the Jeff part is, is is not the point. The point is if you're too concerned with how a character looks and not worried with the content of who they are, then that's where my problem comes in. And that's – I don't know. I, I, I'm sure we're preaching to the choir. Mm-hmm. I, I would love to believe that if, you, if you've been listening for this long, you are obviously, like Kate said, know where we stand and are, are, are totally with us. But I just think that it is something to that we all should be a little bit more aware of. Mm-hmm. And And for me, I am, as much as I am a lurker, I want to find ways that I can... I don't know, fight back, but I hate that, that. You know what I mean? Like fight back just sounds so aggressive, but stand up mm-hmm. and, and just, just say, this is not okay without it being a huge internet, you know, troll fight. Right. I, I don't know. I'm certainly not sure how that works. I'm still navigating my way through that. So if anybody's got a good idea for how to handle the, um, incoming rage that I feel every time I'm scrolling and about a bunch of people, you know, it's, one minute it's legitimate, like, oh, th- like we're doing this plot line. I didn't like how they interpreted this, or I liked that we got this out of it, but not this. And then it's, why isn't Dawn blonde? Why did they have to, that representation's sake for the sake of representation doesn't mean anything. I'm sorry. Yes, it fucking does. Yes, it fucking does. So that's where I stand. So, <laughs> yes. Um, anyway. So, on to the fluff. Uh, One of my random observations was how much I fucking loved the face acting on everybody Mm -hmm. in this episode. So many incredible reaction shots. Um, You mentioned before about how Jesse, like, sort of called Christy out on the, she's an adult. The looks on everyone's faces, I literally went back and paused the screen just to see all the different face acting of the girls. Mm -hmm. Because every single one of them absolutely nailed it in character like i want to print that screenshot because it was just so perfect everybody understood the assignment is all i'm saying alicia silverstone is fucking radiant 
throughout this entire episode, and none more so when she's telling the story of how she and Watson met and fell in love. Mm-hmm. I was enraptured. Just, uh, so in love. The the sass faces, Christy had some great, like, what the fuck are you talking about faces all over the place. I just, the face acting, on point. Mm-hmm. Really needed to call that out. If you If you didn't catch it the first time, I highly recommend going back and watching a second time because... Oh, boy. Yeah, definitely agree. Two sort of almost throwaway lines to varying degrees that I, like, rewound to listen to but again because they just made me laugh. First one, in the, like, one line that our love Mark Evan Jackson has when, you know, <laughs> Dawn's doing yes. the tarot reading for Marianne and he and Sharon are, you know, going out to dinner. And he's sort of very confused about what's going on. And as they're walking away, he, he says, you know, just make sure you finish your homework before you summon the devil, which is just such a Richard thing to say. Like, he just does not get it. But, you know, as long as you finish your homework, just as long as that's done, it's fine. <laughs> like, do, you do what you need to do. And he's trying. He's I just it's so cute. it's so great. And like you said, like the the adult characters in the show have gotten so much more sort of backstory and personality and character than we get for most of them in the books. And it's just so great. And especially when it's Mark Evan Jackson, because he's just the best. <laughs> Literally, I wrote down that exact same line, but you can't even do it justice because the way he delivers it is just beyond perfect. Mm-hmm. And then he follows it up with a with, with with saying this is fine three different ways like mm-hmm. this is fine this is fine this is fine so perfect he's he's fucking brilliant he's great the other one so it's actually from the same scene and it's when don calls logan to to get the you know his birth information so she can do his entire birth chart and you know she he's telling her his birthday what time he was born you know where he was born and you hear his mom yell up from downstairs, like, Logan, are you giving out personal information again? It's like, again? What else did he, what, like, what happened? I want that story. <laughs> like, what, what other personal information were you giving out, Logan? Right. I put that down too, both because I want that story and because I loved that that was clearly such a, like, a, adults are writing this show for children mm-hmm. moment where, like, please don't do this. Right. <laughs> and even as, like, that it, as she was calling up, I realized, oh God, I am a fucking grown up because as he was giving information, I was like, Logan, you don't right. know who what this are you is. Doing? Do not tell random strangers who call you. Like, what are you doing? First of all, why the fuck did he answer his phone? That's the most unrealistic thing of this whole episode is that he answered his phone without even looking who it was. Mm-hmm. Never, that never would have happened. I wouldn't do that, let alone a Gen Z. The other line I really liked when they put a hat on the whole new Dawn th- situation, mm-hmm. um, I feel like a whole new person. I'm a sucker for that kind of meta yep. thing. Same. So just really briefly, if you are listening to this and you are not aware, there is a new Dawn for this season. That is because the an original Dawn, as incredible as she was, got snapped up by Marvel and is going to be part of the MCU. So we have a new Dawn, Kendra Sanchez, and... I don't know about you, but I thought she was great. I, mm-hmm. And I it was not very disruptive. I mean, obviously, we didn't start with the Dawn plotline, but I thought she slid in very, very nicely. Yeah, she fit in really well. I, I appreciate it. They did a great job casting her. Yeah, and she did a really – all the girls, to be fair, did a really good job of, like, building that chemistry and making mm-hmm. it feel like, you know, she has been part of it all along, which can't be easy to do, especially under COVID circumstances. For sure. And how that had to affect shooting. Definitely. Speaking of Dawn, though, the the line about the grocery store heiress thing, is that something we are aware of? Did I miss this? I don't think so. I was sort of like, huh? Yeah, I, I don't know. So we know that the porters in the books are, like, super wealthy, and that's why Richard and her mom broke up in the first place in high school. Richard and Sharon, we've, we've talked about all of that on the on – the, we even talked about that – Last year, like, is that no longer part of the plot Mm -hmm. line? But it sounds like they might be trying to, like, establish that she's wealthy. But, I mean, the book sort of implied old money. Mm -hmm. So my guess is it's it's a throwaway line in preparation for creating some drama around Richard and Sharon getting married Mm -hmm. further on. Yeah, that would make sense. I have no idea if that's true or not. But my guess is they're trying to lay some groundwork that if they didn't bring in the Richard Sharon parent drama 
or poor, rich drama prior to now, that they're saving that as a, like, they get engaged and then the parents get involved, yeah, like mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah, that would make sense. What about you? Any other uh, one-offs or small fluffy things? Um, or can I start asking you about the fashion? Yeah, I I was just sort of scrolling through my notes. There wasn't anything that really needed to be mentioned. So I think I'm good. Okay. I will just say that we mentioned it briefly, but Karen lived up to her Karen name this episode and not in a good way, not in the way that we were enjoying last year for me. Yeah. I don't know about yeah, you. Yeah, there but- was no spooky Karen. There was there was Karen Karen, like you said. Yeah, like the social climber, like you noted, made no sense. And then there was a whole thing about um, David Michael just trying to be nice and eat the pancakes, and she was like being bitchy to Edie and just like, yeah, she she prefers like her this, her cantaloupe and wedges, not not cubes. Which what child likes cantaloupe in the first place, right? And like, not only that, but all of that was muddled messages. Sorry, I guess I I forgot I did have thoughts about this, but like. Number one, why would Edie let Watson serve David Michael pancakes? Like, she would know he doesn't like them. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just setting him up for failure. So, like, she wouldn't sit there and, like, smile. Like, nothing we've seen about her to this point would indicate that she would not know, A, or B, let him do that. And then Karen has never been, like, bitchy like that before. And not only that, we don't want to set the precedent that speaking up and setting boundaries is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Like, that was just a very muddled message scene. Like I would have preferred that we, it would have been Karen speaking up for David Michael and then them being like, Oh, why didn't you say something? You know what I mean? Yeah. Something like that. But whatever that was, was weird. So sorry. Didn't mean to uh, sidebar like that, but (laughs) Kate, you called it. (laughs) So before I uh, devolve any further, I cannot wait to hear the fashion report because there were some looks this week. Yeah, so I I guess I wasn't maybe I should have done a better job of paying attention, but like Claudia and and Stacy are usually our like big fashion fashionistas, and like nothing of theirs like particularly jumped out at me. And maybe it's just because I'm so used to you know Stacy being her sophisticated sort of classic clean lines, and Claudia you know having lots of colors and patterns, and but nothing like particularly jumped out to me the same way that you know certain things did for both of them last season, but. The things that did jump out to me is Christy wears no less than four different long-sleeved rugby shirts, including with turtlenecks under them. And I'm like, you guys, it's like still summer vacation. (laughs) Like, what is happening? And why do you have so many rugby shirts? I did appreciate, though, Christy and Mallory have the same bathing suit. It's just a very sort of normal Speedo, one-piece, red and blue situation. And... One of the reasons that I love it so much is because the girl that plays Mallory is such a perfect Mallory. She did, like she's really leaning into like yes. loving being a part of the Babysitters Club, and you know she's been in awe of these girls for years, and now that she's part of them, and then she co- shows up at Christie's house and she's wearing the same bathing suit, and it just like warmed my heart because she's such a little nerd, and it's talk about so face cute. acting. Yes, she is so so good. The look on her face was like, oh, my God, I am wearing the same thing as Christy Thomas. Like, mm-hmm. it was oh, it was really, really freaking cute. Yeah. I loved that. I loved it so much. The only other thing that, like, from this episode, if I could buy something, and it's a child's dress from Brooks Brothers, so I can't, even if it was available. <laughs> but Amanda wears this adorable blue gingham dress with like red flowers on the bottom it's like a like a sort of shirt dress with a waist and like a belt and it was just like the cutest thing and I was like is that in adult sizes oh no it's for children and I was so disappointed that I couldn't like search for it on eBay you know because I'm sure it's sold out last year or something and I was just like no I want that dress so badly but I couldn't find it and I'm sure I couldn't find one that fits me because I'm not a child (laughs) Was that the first one that she came in with, with, the, like, the belted, like, waist that, like, tied around the front? The blue? It was blue. I think she was wearing it at the tea when Edie and Christy go over. I didn't write down what scene it was okay. in. Okay. I'll have to go back because the first thing that she showed up in, it, it wasn't, like, it was a good idea, but it didn't really work in the outfit or it didn't wasn't flattering or something, which is a very odd thing to say about a very small child. But it just, <laughs> it just wasn't as 
cute as it could have been is all I'm saying. But I did like there was like a like a tie waist that was in the same fabric that looked like it was part of the dress that I, I liked, like a built-in belted mm-hmm. situation that I kind of dug. The other thing I really dug was there were a couple of things. Claudia's overalls in the club meeting, I was very on board for. I've been having an overall moment and a jumpsuit moment in the past year. So I was, that popped out at me. And then she, when she described her back to school outfit with the, with the pleather shorts and my purple docks, I was like, okay, that's my girl. Well, I didn't write that down because we didn't actually see that one. To be fair, you're, you're entirely accurate. But in the last club meeting, Stacy was wearing like a pleather legging situation that I love. And I, it made me think of you, actually, Kate. I thought you would – I was shocked that you didn't call it out because you have those. And you both make them look so cute. And then I bought them, and they, they literally squeak when I walk. <laughs> okay, so. Is there any other final club business? Let's just remind everyone that they can find us on Instagram and Twitter at, at @generationbsc. You can also email us at generation – no. <laughs> You can email us, but not at Generation BSC. It's Generation BSC at Gmail. Social media is fun. In any case, if you want to reach out to us, please do. We love to hear from you. We are so excited to be back and to hear from you all and engage once again. Uh, I've just, this has been, oh, what the best way to spend an evening with you. Definitely glad to be back. So with that, I'm Kate Blasek. And I'm Lauren Hunter. And this emergency meeting of Generation BSC is now adjourned. Say hello to-